0: Hello, this is Father John, Arthur, or Associate Pastor at Holy Ghost Catholic Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. In our last eight programs, we've gone over the twelve articles of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell the third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting, Amen. Today's program begins a turn in our march through the in brief statements of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. The first part of the Catechism is on the creed, what we believe. The second part is on the sacraments, how we celebrate what we believe. In today's program, we'll go over what is a sacrament in the Catechism of the Catholic Church and the sacrament of baptism, that foundational sacrament which all Christians hold in common. The sacraments are efficacious signs of grace, instituted by Christ and confided to the Church, by which the divine life is given to us. The visible rites, under which the sacraments are celebrated, signify and realize The proper graces of each sacrament. They are fruitful in those who receive them with the required disposition. Sacraments are efficacious signs. They're signs that do what they say they do. A sign points beyond itself. Signs of grace. God's power, God's presence, God's help and strength in our lives to be the saints he's called us to be. When the Catechism reminds us that the sacraments were instituted by Christ, that is to say they were founded, they were established, they were set up, just like the church instituted, founded, set up by Christ. The sacraments are confided to the church, as a guardian, as a caretaker, as a custodian. The church cannot consecrate uh, beer and pretzels for the Eucharist, but uses bread and wine. The church does not baptize in beer or in vodka, but in water. Holy marriage between one man and one woman for life. All of this and more according to the will of Christ, institutor, founder, not only of the Church, but of her sacraments. It is in the sacraments that the divine life is given to us. That's another way of saying grace. When the Catechism speaks to us about visible rites, it reminds us of the two natures of Christ. They saw the human face, they heard the human voice, but that human face and that human voice belong to the divine person of the eternal word, the eternal son of the eternal father, Christ Jesus, true God and true man. So we see the visible aspect of the sacraments, but we know the invisible is there. Proper graces of each sacrament. There's only one sacrament which takes away original sin by God's power and mysterious design, and that's baptism. For those sins we commit after baptism, there's a special sacrament, penance, anointing on occasion. The catechism reminds us about a required disposition. If we just go through the motions, if we don't bring faith to the sacraments, uh, we might well receive them in vain. St. Paul does exhort us, let a man examine himself, lest he... Eat or drink unto condemnation, lest he be guilty of the blood of the Lord. More on that later. The three sacraments, baptism, confirmation, and holy orders, confer even more than grace. They also confer a sacramental character or seal by which the Christian participates in the priesthood of Christ and is made a part of the church, according to the diverse states and offices. This configuration to Christ and his church, realized by the Spirit, is indelible, and remains always with the Christian as a positive disposition for grace, as a promise and a guarantee of divine protection, and as a vocation to the divine cult and to the service of the church. These sacraments, therefore, cannot ever be repeated. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, the scripture is clear. The sacrament of holy orders, which gives a character, is given in three grades. But once a man is made a deacon, he's never made a deacon again. Once a man is made a priest, he's never made a priest again. Once a man is made a bishop, he's never made a bishop again. The one sacrament of orders in three grades, with a distinct character in each grade. Confirmation. That sealing with the Spirit. The Catechism speaks to us about the priesthood of Christ, and he alone is the priest of the New Testament. But we share by baptism and by ordination in his priesthood and the job of a priest, the work of a priest is to worship, to adore God. And this is done by the royal priesthood of the laity or the common priesthood sometimes it's called and also by the ministerial or hierarchical priesthood of the ordained. More on this later. This character, this indelible mark is a difficult thing to speak about because it's a spiritual sign. We know about indelible laundry pens. We mark our name before we go to summer camp. This character can never be repealed or taken away. I can act like I was not baptized. I can act like I was not confirmed. I can act like I was never ordained. But these characters which I have received These spiritual seals or marks given to me are to my glory in heaven or to my shame in hell. May God be merciful to us all. These great sacraments, baptism, confirmation, and orders, they have a residual grace, if you like, a grace which remains, a persistent grace positive disposition, a promise, and a guarantee of divine protection. The reference to the divine cult there, the divine worship, in our American usage, the word cult has bad connotations because of people like David Koresh and his ilk, but the word cult, which is the root of the word culture, is about the worship of God not only the worship of God but the service of the church which is the mystical body of Christ and when we serve the church we honor her founder who is Christ the Lord. Our justification comes from the grace of God. Remember sacraments are signs instituted by Christ entrusted to the church to give grace and grace is how we're justified. But The grace is given us Normally, the ordinary means through the sacraments received in the church. Grace is the favor, the gratuitous help that God gives us to respond to his call. There's nothing we can do to earn the grace of God, the love of God, the mercy of God. We can dispose ourselves. We can encourage others to be so disposed. God's call is that we become children of God. See the Gospel of St. John, chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. God's call is that we be adopted sons and daughters. See St. Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. God's call is that we be participants in the divine nature. See the second letter of St. Peter, chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. All of this in eternal life, begun here below. See again, St. John's Gospel, chapter 17, verse 3. By the sacraments of initiation, there are three sacraments of initiation, baptism, confirmation, and Eucharist, we have the foundation of the entire Christian life. Participation in the divine nature given to us by the grace of Christ carries a certain analogy with the origin, knowledge, and support of natural life. Born to a new life by baptism, the faithful have been in effect fortified by the sacrament of confirmation and receive in the Eucharist the bread of eternal life. So by these sacraments, of Christian initiation, they, the faithful, receive always the advantage of the richness of the divine life, and they advance toward the perfection of charity, which is the love of God, the love of neighbor, and even the love of self, all according to God's holy will. So while we rejoice that so many of our neighbors have been baptized, with water in the words I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit whether by immersion or by pouring infusion there are other sacraments give us this day our daily bread the sacrament of the altar the Holy Eucharist Holy Communion and confirmation that sacrament of the Holy Spirit the Holy Ghost patron of our parish here in North Knoxville the Holy Spirit is the gift of God God is love st. John tells us in the fourth gospel chapter 4 verses 8 and 16 and love is the first gift he contains all others this love God has filled in our hearts by the Spirit who has been given to us. See St. Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter five, verse five. The proof that you are sons is that God has sent in our hearts the spirit of his son who cries, Abba, Father. See St. Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter four, verse six. Seven gifts of the Holy Spirit are wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, and fear of God. These gifts of the Holy Spirit tied especially to the sacrament of confirmation, but also the fruit of God's grace at work in us. This is a brief overview of the sacraments in general. What follows will be a presentation on baptism today and We'll continue with the rest of the sacraments in the weeks to come. We'll go over all seven and then continue with the commandments of God and the Lord's Prayer. The Sacrament of Baptism and the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Christian initiation is accomplished by an ensemble of three sacraments baptism which is the debut of the new life confirmation which is an affirmation of it and eucharist which nourishes the disciple with the body and blood of christ in view of his transformation in him there are different initiation ceremonies in different spheres of life when someone graduates from university from college the baccalaureate, the graduation ceremonies, uh, the tassels moved to the other side of the miter board. Christian initiation is a more ancient rite than college graduation. There are initiations into different professional organizations, but our profession as followers of Christ is the worship of the one only God baptism the debut of new life as so many of our friends are happy to ask have you been born again and any god-fearing catholic should be able to say why yes on the day i was baptized i began a new life in christ go therefore to all nations make disciples baptize them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit and teach them to do all that I have prescribed. So says the Lord Jesus in the Great Commission at the end of St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. These words, in part, are emblazoned across the front doors of Holy Ghost here in Knoxville on Central Avenue. Not, go ye therefore just to Knoxville, or go ye therefore just to Tennessee, or just to the United States, but to all nations, all times, all places. The gospel is directed in these ways. And Mother Church has been doing so for 2,000 years. How? By baptizing them in the name, singular, capital N. Remember the second commandment, not to take the name of the Lord our God in vain. Who is this Lord our God? The Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When the Lord Jesus tells us here at the end of St. Matthew that we are to teach all that he has prescribed, it's important for us likewise to remember the closing verses of the fourth Gospel St. John, where we are assured that there is more that the Lord Jesus said and did, but that the whole world could not contain it all. This reminds us that it is not sola scriptura, scripture alone. But scripture and tradition and the magisterium all hold together like the sacred trinity. One of the things the Lord Jesus has prescribed is the necessity of baptism. Baptism constitutes the birth to a new life in Christ. According to the will of the Lord, it is necessary for salvation as the church herself, which introduces us to baptism. See St. John, the fourth gospel, chapter 3, verse 5. See St. Mark, chapter 16, verse 16. The reference to the gospel of St. John is the conversation the Lord Jesus had with Nicodemus, a teacher in Israel, who came to the Lord by night. this is where the great question have you been born again arises and nicodemus didn't get it am i to crawl back up into my mother's womb how am i to be born again by water and the spirit unless a man be born of water and the spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of god this is why mother church takes it so seriously that all should be baptized into faith, that all should be brought to the saving waters, given their strength and power by the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus was in the Jordan River with John the Baptist, but this was not a Christian baptism, but the waters were made holy by the one who was baptized, and now we're made holy by the saving waters. The church is necessary for salvation because the church speaks to us of Christ. The church is necessary for salvation for she is the one who gives us the sacraments. Baptism. The essential rite of baptism, that without which you don't have a baptism, what is necessary, consists in plunging the candidate into the water or pouring water on his head in pronouncing the invocation of the Most Holy Trinity, that is to say, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We need the water and we need the words. Ex opere operato is a fancy Latin phrase, by the work the work is done. What can any of us do to earn the love of God, the mercy of God, the divine adoption of God, to be made a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit, to be a brother or a sister to Christ? To be a part of the church there's nothing any of us can do to deserve to earn any of that it's a freely given gift and this is made very obvious when infants are baptized the fruit of baptism or baptismal grace is a rich reality which carries the remission of original sin and of all personal sins the birth to new life by which Man becomes the adoptive son of the Father, member of Christ. See St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 6, verse 15, and chapter 12, verse 27. Baptism makes us temples of the Holy Spirit. See St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 6, verse 19. By the same fact of baptism, the baptized person is incorporated into the church, The body of Christ, see St. Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 12, verse 5. And by baptism we are made participants in the priesthood of Christ, see the first letter of St. Peter, chapter 2, verse 59. Very rich the graces given in baptism, remission of original sin which we inherit from Adam and Eve from the beginning remission of all personal sins, new life, adoption, member of Christ, temple of the Holy Spirit, incorporated into the church, a participant in the priesthood of Christ, eight different graces, and these are only the ones written about. How many others? How about union with Christ? The fruit of baptism is a rich reality. But baptism also imprints on a soul an indelible spiritual sign. We spoke of this in the general overview of the sacraments. This sign, this spiritual sign, a character, consecrates, sets apart the baptized to the cult, to the worship of the Christian religion. Religion gets a bad rap. Oh, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. Religio, according to the law. Whose law? The law of God. If you love me, keep my commandments. Who said that? Jesus Christ. Keep holy the Sabbath. How do we do that? Approach the altar. Hear the word proclaimed and receive the word made flesh in the Eucharist. This is religion which is pure. Feed the hungry, house the homeless, clothe the naked. By reason of the character given in baptism, this sacrament cannot be repeated. See St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 5. Those who suffer death because of the faith, martyrs, catechumens, and all men, women, children, boys and girls of every age, who under the impulsions of grace, without knowing the church, who sincerely search for God and exert themselves to accomplish his will, are saved, may be saved, even if they have not received baptism. Here we see the teaching of the Second Vatican Council in the Dogmatic Constitution on the Church, Lumen Gentium, Article 16, cited in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. God is God. He can bring to himself whomever he will. But the ordinary means to salvation is a life of grace lived in the Church, lived with the sacraments. To those whom much has been given, much will be expected. We have been given the gift of grace. We have been given the gift of faith. Woe to us if we do not share the faith. Spread the gospel. Perhaps those who have never heard will enter before us, and perhaps we will be left wailing and gnashing our teeth outside to the extent we sit on our hands and do nothing. From the most ancient times, baptism is administered to children, for it is a grace and a gift of God who does not suppose human merits. The children are baptized into the faith of the church. See St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, again, chapter 4, verse 5. Entry into Christian life gives access to true liberty. See the fourth gospel, St. John, chapter 14, verse 6 chapter 8, verse 32, St. Paul's first letter to Timothy, chapter 3, verse 15, and St. Luke, chapter 10, verse 16. Christian life entered into gives access to true liberty. Who is the way? Who is the truth? Who is the life? We know Christ Jesus, the Lord, who commanded that we receive baptism, who commanded that we baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching all things whatsoever he has commanded us, knowing that the whole world could not contain everything that he said or did, his silences, his gestures. When children die without baptism, the liturgy, that is the public prayer of the church, invites us to have confidence in divine mercy and to pray for their salvation. There's no one for whom we should not pray. We should pray for everybody, especially for those who have not yet received the saving waters, the grace of God given by means of the sacraments of God. Popularly, we speak even of three flavors or three sorts of baptism, the actual honest-to-God sacramental reality, the pouring of the water and the words. I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. But there is also said to be that baptism of desire. Those were the catechumens preparing. These children who would die without baptism, please God, their parents had the intention. But then also the martyrs, those who died before they were baptized, but in preparatory stages still. This is called the baptism of blood. God forbid, but it happens even still. In case of necessity, all persons can baptize, provided that what is done is done with the intention of doing that which the church wants. Then water be poured on the head of the candidate, saying, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. There are some who say, oh no, baptism must be by immersion. Holy Mother, the church of course allows, and even mentions the plunging of the candidate into the water first, before the pouring. But Holy Mother, the church has been baptizing for 2,000 years. She knows what she speaks of, for her founder is none other than Christ the Lord. Any person can baptize, provided they do, with the intention of doing that which the church wants, Mahmoud Aminid Jihad. Vladimir Putin, Pol Pot before he died. Think of any of the rogues' gallery, believers or not. This is the mystery of Christ, the mystery of God's power. God can use sinful ministers to effect great things, great miracles. There was a heresy back in the day which denied the power of sacraments administered by sinful men. But here we're reminded that God is more powerful. While he prefers to work through holy ministers, he's willing to work even through those who fail. Let us pray that we will all be faithful to our baptism. Let us pray that we will be so zealous and devoted to these saving waters that we will bring as many, all that we can who have not yet approached them. Until next time, God bless you.